speaker today is Paul Vandergleet, Associate Pastor of Discipleship of New Hope Community Church. Good morning, everyone. Um, how many of you received the email from Chuck about my sermon and more farm stories? Did anybody? You got that. Okay. I want you to know no animals were harmed or tested during the preparation for my sermon. There's not going to be any gross videos. We're not going to show you how to skin a deer. Nothing like that. But we are going to go to prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, I thank you. It's living. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for growth. Lord, it's beneficial for us to grow, that we might glorify your name. Father, that we might win the lost through its power. Lord, strengthen us. Give me words. Give me wisdom. Touch our hearts that we might touch others for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know uh, what a parable is? What is a parable? Anybody know? Give me just, you know, your thoughts on what a parable is. Give me a definition. Let me write that down. Wow. Did you know I was going here? That was awesome. All right. I got the book at Mark 4. If you want to come up and finish this, it sounds like you're going to do better than I would. It's different. Uh, how many of you studied English uh, at any point in your history? Uh, bring that memory back. I know it's painful, but uh, bring that back. You studied English, right? And there were all these terms, you know, there's analogies, there's metaphors, and there's different types of writing. You know, uh, you've got like uh, fables and, and, and all kinds of different things. They all have these particulars about them. And there's this one particular that I really appreciate about a parable in Scripture, especially when Jesus would do a parable. All right? Because it's perfect. You know, it just... It's perfect. But a parable was so unique in that uh, my wife being an English teacher, you know, me having done some, some stuff, you know, teaching and whatnot, you, you research, you know, as, as, as you know, a, a, you know I'll, I'll say theologian, and I hope you all see yourselves as theologians. Some of you may be more experienced, but you should be a theologian if you're a believer in Christ. Amen? Amen. Second Timothy says so. Anyway, I want you to think about this parable as just a story. It wasn't written down. It wasn't meant to be read. It wasn't meant to be reread. It wasn't be meant to be read into. But a parable was a story that would be heard. And usually one basic theme, one big idea, one important point would stand out. That's why I didn't, I didn't want anything up on the screen. I didn't want it to uh, actually distract you. 
because in the time of Jesus, when he told this parable, it was just people on the shore and him in a boat. Crowd had gotten fairly large, and in order to be heard, Jesus jumped into a boat. I don't think he actually literally jumped in a boat, but Jesus, in a very divine way, entered this boat. Because of the travel of sound over water, there would have been less resistance to his words, and it would have been easier for everyone to hear. But I can imagine. I can imagine how quiet that would have been, relatively speaking. Crowd had gathered. This was Jesus. This was the one that there was a lot of talk about. And at the end of chapter three, don't go there. Just just listen to this. Just go. Verse 35 of chapter 3 reads this way. I'll keep it short. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Whoever does the will. What's the will? What, what is that? What is that thing? And. Chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, there were no delineations of chapter and verse and all that. This just would have been read. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, And he began to teach again by the sea. And such a great multitude gathered to him, got into a boat in the sea, sat down, The whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Mark of respect, the teacher would sit. You know, they would would sit. And um, it's just a mark of respect that everyone stood as they listened. And he was teaching them many things in parables. Again, it's not written. Probably would have only heard it one time. And it had a a big idea. One, usually just one big idea. And it was meant to cause you to, to really examine something. He was teaching them many things in parables, and he was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. Agricultural community. It came about that as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Well, that was a waste. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. Another waste. Another seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded 
no crop. What a shame. That wasn't a waste. That was a shame. A lot of promise. And other seed fell into good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded some 30, some 60, and even 100-fold. All right, have a good day. See you later. All right, that's, that's kind of what happened. Jesus says, and if you got ears, listen. And everybody's going, right. Got it. What the heck does that mean? But I think they would have known. I think they would have known. See, I grew up down south. I was born in L.A., grew up in Virginia, lived in New Jersey. Where are we now? Oh, that's right, Pennsylvania. But growing up in Virginia, it was interesting. It was an agricultural community. It went from L.A. to the middle of nowhere. Agriculture. It was great. I loved it. As time went on, I got involved in different things at school. And when we hit high school, when I hit high school, um, I had a friend whose dad was um, part of the um, part of the county uh, where they actually, uh, I, I don't want to say that it was like, um, I forget the actual term for it, but w what we did was they taught us how to read dirt, not eat but read. We did soil judging. All right. Any of you know what soil judging is? How many of you actually know what that is? Chuck does. All right, we're going to move on from here to how to skin a squirrel. Okay. Soil judging, really important. How many of you know what bottomland is? Anybody? Yes. It's down by a river. All right. And it's beautiful soil. Great for growing, unless it floods. And then all that hard work and money. And... But I want you to think about how this group would have known about soil analysis. See, because when you put your livelihood into these tiny seeds and you're throwing money out in this field, that's broadcasting, sowing seed. All right, that's where broadcasting came from. All right. I want you to think about how it's so important to read what's going on. Because if you're planting seed that costs money, and the seed is good. If you ever look at seed, most seed, if not all, has, a, uh, has been analyzed for its productivity. It, it's 98%, it's 97 it's 62% or whatever. It's, it will grow. Out of 100 seeds, 90 will grow or 82 or whatever percentage it is. It's a guarantee of the seed but not the soil. Soil's everything. That sower that went out to sow the seed is you and I as believers 
sharing scripture with someone. But what I really want to ask us, ask myself first, I love preaching. I hate what it teaches me about myself. I just want to stand up here and point, you guys, you're a mess. But don't forget, I heard it first, where God's going, Paul, you're a mess. But I like that, because I don't want to stay a mess. I want to improve. And God says, if you're serious, if you're really serious, the seed is good. Check out the soil. Because when you're planting and you're watching crops come up, and this part over here, we had a small farm. It was small. It was only about 11 acres. All right. But, you know, why, why is that so lush? The return is phenomenal. Anything grows there. It's great. While over here, not much. What's the difference? What's the difference? Why is it? Why is it that we are, there's only so few of us here. Why is that? It's not the seed. It's not the seed. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's you. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm not pointing fingers at you. But I want you to understand, have you ever gotten frustrated? How many of you are parents? In other words, how many of you have ever been frustrated in your life? How many of you? How many of you? I love this one. How many times have I had to tell you this? If you have to ask that, stop saying it. Do something different. Because it's not what you're saying. It's the soil that the seed is being planted into. It's all about that. But why is the church, why is the individual in each church, in the shape they're in, if they're hearing the exact same things that the guy next to them, the woman in front, back, whatever, why is that, that the church isn't growing, isn't healthier, isn't more productive? And as we looked at this example, this parable that was heard, can you imagine what people were going, huh? Somebody had to be saying to themselves, if not the majority, and they were saying, what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? Why am I not producing? What, what gets in the way? We're going to break this down into two basic groups. The first two along the path. Chuck, you know, when you're driving your tractor, you don't find a new spot every time you're going. You go in the same spot. It's like deer or animals. They usually go in the same path, and it, it gets compressed and compacted, and it gets, it gets hard. Seed's not going anywhere. Then there's this rocky soil. It isn't like there's a bunch of stones. Here uh, in Palestine, in, in Israel of that time, there was a sandstone underlay that could be acres big, one solid sheet of stone. 
and some dirt had blown over it from erosion. And it looked okay, unless you started to mess with it. You try and drop a plow in that, whether it was back then when you're, you know, using some sort of an animal. Or today, if you're dropping, you know, your plow, six-point plow or whatever you've got. And it hits this stone and you're like, this is going nowhere. That seed that is planted, there's nothing wrong with the seed. But there's nowhere for it to go. The individual, is it even doing anything? When the seed that you and I are planting, maybe when the seed that is planted in you, a new thing, a new idea, a new teaching, a new promise from God, when, when that hits, does it have anywhere to go? Just to start with. Patty, you guys know, with the pack of Sandra, man, you know, you plant that, you know, on, you know, a block of shale, it's going to die. It's going to die. You've got to have the right soil. Those two, definitely, those two types of soil are not going to receive the word of God. We've got people, you know that. You've got people in your life, wherever it is, they're not there yet. They're not ready to receive the truth. Nothing wrong with the seed, the soil stinks. The last two. That last one, man, 30, 60, 100-fold increase. Awesome. That's what you like to see. That's what you like. we got a little garden in, in, uh, in back of the house. And uh, I love tomatoes. I just I love tomatoes uh, when we grew them in Virginia. My dad would bring salt and pepper out in his pocket. In a container, not loose. That would be gross. <laughs> just wanted to clarify that. And he'd, he'd wipe off the dirt or whatever dust, and he'd lick it. And then he'd start doing this. And then he would do the hunch. Because these, these are... You know, those things in the store, they look like tomatoes. That's not really a tomato. I don't know what that is, but it's not. But man, when these bushes, dad grew berries, dad grew strawberries. My sister and I, we had this wonderful opportunity uh, to learn about third soil. Because dad got this crazy idea it's 11 acres, and there was a lot of field. There was upper field, lower field, and all this kind of stuff. And when we got there, we had apple trees, a couple of different varieties of apple trees. It was cool, you know. And then Dad's growing a garden, and you're like, cool, this is manageable. You know, it's the size of the piano. It was awesome. You know, 18 seconds, you could weed the whole thing. And then one year, he gets this idea, we're going to expand. And we're thinking, oh, great, it'll be twice the size of the piano. This is good. Uh-uh. No. Altogether, it was about as big as the center section in here. Two pieces, but it was big. And there was this thing, growing up in California, um, it was a little different 
Um, I was younger, and I didn't understand. If I had been older and grown up in California, I would have understood weed to be something different than when I got older and was growing up in Virginia, because weeds in Virginia were actually growing in the ground that needed to be pulled out. You did not chop them up and that kind of thing. Some, some of you are getting this. Not, not all of you. That's probably a good thing. My point is, third soil, that third soil, they could get rid of weeds a couple of different ways or attempt at it, get, getting rid of them. One of them is something we used to do in Virginia every now and then. We would burn. You ever just burn a field, Chuck? You burn a field. They ever get out of control? Yeah. That's exciting. When it's moving towards a house or a building, you know, and you got gasoline stored in there, and you're like, this is not good. But sometimes you would clear a field by burning it. I'm not sure what good that did other than it just felt right. You know, it just felt good. You're burning that thing. You're just like, I hate you weeds. Die. And they didn't. I think it fertilized them. They would come back the next year. It seemed like healthier than ever. But it looked good. To the eye, it looked good. And that's what it is with some, some people when they hear the truth. When that seed is planted and it looks like things are coming up. But you know what's not gone? Are the roots. This is where I'm talking to you. This is where God is speaking to me. It's about the roots. What hasn't been killed yet that needs to die? It needs to die. Because if it doesn't die, you know, Scripture says we can't serve two masters. I want you to think about our effectiveness wherever you are. Geographically, socially, whatever, your effectiveness has to do with what still remains in you that shouldn't be there, that's detrimental. That God said in this parable, Jesus Christ is God, and He's telling us a story that if we don't get rid of this stuff in our lives, it chokes out benefit. All that work, all that time. How many of you, you know, we talked about a little bit this morning uh, with uh, some of our people in Sunday school about Kanye West. How many of you know who Kanye West is? Okay. Five years ago, two years ago, three years ago, how many of you would have said, you know what, that man is so close to becoming a, a believer in Jesus Christ, I could just see it. That wouldn't have been me. And yet... And yet, now I want you to understand, God knows the heart, just like he knows you and you and you and me. Okay, we can look good on the outside. But it's the fruit. It's the fruit. It's the yield of that good seed that was planted. I pray for that man. Billy Graham's gone. Well, who can relate to this young generation? Oh, Franklin Graham, because he's young too. No, he's not. 
He's got better hair than I do, but he's still old. But can you imagine in your life, you're not called perhaps to impact a thousand people or even 500 people or maybe it's just a couple of people that God has on your agenda. That's the fruit that you are required to yield according to God's plan. But he says as long as there's weeds that haven't been addressed in your life, in my life, valuable work is not going to get done by us. Yeah, in God's big plan, he gets it done. That's not an excuse for us not to do things. It's actually a warning for us to step it up. See, because in Scripture, it talks about this thing with rewards. God wants to reward us for obeying him. He saved us. He sent his son to die for us. And then he wants to reward us. This is the best thing going. I mean, just think about it. Your sins are forgiven. You couldn't do it. You've been given a job to do that you can't do apart from God. And then he wants to say thank you for simply doing what I told you to do in the first place. And give you crowns. And praise you. It seems rather foolish that we wouldn't jump on that with both feet. But it says the cares of the world. That's the weeds. That's the thing that is going to get us every time. If we are not aware of those weeds, if we're trying to fake it that those weeds are gone, if we're pretending that those weeds aren't there, and not letting the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God do our part, we're stuck in a field that is going to kill us. It's going to rob us of our joy. It's going to take from us the blessing that you and I have been created to be. You, each one of you, me, were created to be a blessing. First, uh, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Somebody quote that for me. Okay, never mind, I'll get it. First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a royal priesthood. Okay? God's chosen ones, royal priesthood, here to declare the riches of God's glory. That is, that is our message. That should be our focus. We are a royal priesthood. Here to declare the riches of God's glory. We're not to get entangled in the world. It is not easy. How many of you find it just easy not to let the world impact you? It just doesn't bother you. How many? Anybody? Good. Chuck, nobody's lying in here right now. Okay? Nobody's lying. The world entangles us. Guys, what's, what's your thing? Would it be, I don't know, a bass boat? A Lamborghini? I don't know. What is it? What's your thing that would entangle you? What is it you're striving for, ladies, young women? What are you striving for? If we do not make certain 
that the cares of this world are eradicated in our lives, we will never experience the blessing that God has for us. And God has so much for us. Chuck, can I go for another 25 minutes? I'm just getting started. Now, that was paragraph one. All right. I'm trying to come up with something good about skinning an animal. Anyway, we're not going there. My point to you, this parable would have been heard. There's four soils. There's only one seed. There's productivity in one out of the four soils. What was Jesus saying? What was he saying? Come on, this is, you know, come on, talk to me. Literally, say things. What? How do we know how to be good soil? Keep going. We got to read. We got to study. Pray. Worship. How many of you want to do the hard work, though, of actually mortifying? In Scripture, it says mortifying your flesh, these sins that so easily knock us down, keep us out of the race. How many of you are just, how many of you cannot wait to get challenged by God to get rid of the sin in your life? How many of you are just excited, maybe this afternoon, God is just going to nail me with something? Yeah, me either. Um, But when it happens, how many of you have ever had that happen? Where that weed that was in your life, God points it out, and you get serious. And then you get free. And then you get free. And then you ask yourself, what took me so long? And I want to close with this. We're good looking, but we're not so smart. We need God. We need to be obedient to God. We need each other. We need to lean on each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to get up in each other's grill if that's what it takes. To say, hey, listen, there's something here. And your soil needs a little tending. Don't do it. Don't do it. With a wrong motive. Scripture says, take care of business at home. My suggestion to you is if God is telling you, showing you, prompting you, talk to somebody in here. And those of you that have that conversation with somebody, somebody comes to you and says, hey, I got this thing going on. I want you to treat that with the greatest respect. Because it's an honor from God. To be a brother or sister in Christ. In Ecclesiastes it says when, when two walk together. When two walk together and one stumbles. Somebody's there to pick them up. That's our job. It's awesome. Let's pray. Father thank you for your word. Thank you. That you told stories. Your son told stories about life. Lord, I just ask that you would impress upon us what we need to hear. Your word is truth. Your word is purifying.
Your word encourages us. Lord, help us to be obedient. Help us to look towards that day when we will see you face to face. We'll enter in and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, if there is anyone here struggling with weeds in the soil, pray that you would just impress it upon them. Lord, it's not me, it's your word. Lord, let them seek you and the freedom that you offer. Your word says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And to know that is to know freedom indeed. Watch over us, bless us. Be with Patty and the family, Lord. Lift them up. Those of us struggling with stuff, Lord, you're there. Help us to rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.